Hello, PIHL players. Mitch here. Everybody at PHD has one question on their mind. Are you R. Bardownski, player of the month? Or are you R. Brozone, goaltender of the month? Every month, at the end of the month, we will decide who is our Pittsburgh Hockey Digest best. And we will find out if you guys are ready to become the Bardownski Player of the Month, which entitles you to a game of in-the-rink coverage, a Pittsburgh Hockey Digest t-shirt, and a $25 gift certificate to Bardownski, or our Brozone Goaltender of the Month, which will entitle you to that same in-the-ring coverage, that same t-shirt, and a one-month free Brozone pad cleaning. As I like to say, there is no stank like hockey stank, so you get an advantage of that for free. If you're the best of the month, all you got to do is be on top of your game during the calendar month. We will decide at the end of the month who is the tops of that previous month, and we will announce it on this podcast after the first of the month. So get ready, get set, shoot those pucks, stop those pucks, become our Bardowski Player of the Month and our Brozone Goalie of the Month, and we will see you in the rink. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to episode number 10 of the PhD Podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find us online at berghockey.com. If you've already found us, if you're there right now, on Facebook, PGH Hockey Digest. On Twitter, at PGH Hockey Digest. At Instagram, guess what? At PGH Hockey Digest. You can find us on all those places. For everything that you may need in the hashtag Berg Hockey World. Got a big show for you this week. But first and foremost, I want just a little bit of housekeeping. I got to give you a little update on how things are going to go moving forward. I am going to be now recording on Wednesdays. That is actually a little bit easier for me. And if you think about it, I've got a couple shows that I do on Mondays and Tuesdays and a show on Thursday. The PIHL only runs on Monday, the least varsities only run Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Gives me a nice little day on Wednesday where I'm able to give you the best content that I possibly can. I learned it last week in the uh, in the rink last week recording at the, at the uh, Shaler-Quaker Valley game, and it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to get several scores in uh, this week that will be alleviated and resolved by recording on Wednesdays and I think going forward we will record every Wednesday so I'll do the best that I can to get you everything that you need at that time we're going to get started with a couple things just wanted to let you know that today's show we've got a couple really good interviews we got Alan Saunders finally in studio amazing finally got him to actually sit down and talk for a little bit uh, we've got phone interviews with uh, Matt Mamros. He's our 
new Headwaters guy. He's going to be taking over, letting you know how everybody is doing. It's a good, good interview with him. He's got a lot of information about the guys who have been through the area and the guys who are just on their way. And then we've got Ed Major going to bring you information about the ACHA and his in-the-ring coverage from this past week. Um, I would like to also take this time to thank and introduce our new contributor, Todd Hunter. He's going to be taking over our North and East PIHL coverage that will entitle Center Ice, Kirk Nevin Arena, S&T Bank Arena, maybe a little bit of Alpha Ice Complex, the Pittsburgh Ice Arena, and many, many more that we're going to try to see if his. I uh, helped us out on Monday night at Center Ice Arena, so good to have him. But uh, let's get started. We're going to kick things off by heading to the island, the Robert Morris Colonial Sports Center and Colonials Arena. The Robert Morris men opened up their season against number 20 Bowling Green. Big night, 3-2 victory over those Bowling Green Falcons. In that game, you saw scoring from Nick Perkusik, Michael Loria, and Alex Tonge, of course, getting the game winner off of Daniel Mantenuto's breakaway rebound shot in front. And beautiful, beautiful, beautiful goal by Tonge. Just, uh, Mantenuto came in on a breakaway, uh, was able to cut, get uh, adopt to go to the outside, threw it off to the slot, and bounced it off of Alex Tonge's stick and into the net for the game winner late in that game. So the Robert Morris Colonials started out 1-0. and oh. The story from that game, of course, was not the youth movement, as uh, Derek Scully was putting it after the game. It was the experience, and you saw players that were very, very, very much involved in uh, the, ga- the, the team previously take flight in that one, and it's not over for them. They still have their time left with Robert Morris, and we may have a small senior class, but you look at that, and... The future is bright because they're seeing players like Nick Perkusik, sophomore Nick Perkusik score. Uh, Luke Lynch got an assist there. Alex Tonge had two points on the night. Michael Loria got a big goal in the second to give them a lead. And then, of course, Tonge, a senior, is able to come out. get He's got his 100th point, I'm sorry, in the second period on Loria's goal. And then... Mantenuto creating opportunities, getting a, getting a Nick Jenny stretch pass, going in. Making the uh, making Dop miss and then throwing it into the slot and having Tonge knock it into the net for that goal. Wonderful job by Robert Morris knocking off another ranked opponent on Friday night. Then you go back to Sunday. They traveled to Bowling Green and it wasn't exactly the result they were looking for. Uh, they were unfortunately able to they were they dropped the contest six nil to the Bowling Green Falcons. So you had to look at that and realize, you know, this this team is still growing. There is time, but there's absolutely great things to look forward to from these Robert Morris Colonials going forward. Uh, great time. And if you don't get a chance to, you got a lot of time coming up. You can get to see them. They are currently on a now on a six-game homestand. They'll open up on the 19th and 20th versus Army. The 26th and 27th, they'll play RIT. And then Niagara comes to town November 2nd and 3rd. All those games at the Colonials Arena in on the Robert Morris Island Sports Center. All the time start at 7.05 p.m. Get your tickets. 
And we're going to tie that in really nicely. We've got a little bit of a sit-down, a surprise sit-down today with the godfather of Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, the man that owns the, the shop, the guy that makes sure that everything runs, makes sure that I'm in check whenever I get out of check, and that happens a lot with me, um, Alan Saunders. And, yeah, we've got to be able to sit down with him and talk about a couple things. He has some stories about a couple uh, – uh, commits that just happened. Brian Kramer, of course, is the big one that he we're talking about now. But we're going to talk about a lot of stuff going on with the uh, you know the program and you know Corpus Christi and Ryan Crothers. So yeah, we're bringing Alan Saunders now. Alan Saunders, how's everything going, man? Everything's going great. Uh, appreciate uh, being back on the podcast. It's good to be back. Haven't been on yet this year, but um, I've been listening and you've been killing it. Um, and it's great to see uh, the response we've gotten from the high school hockey community, uh, especially in this area. I think uh, our coverage is really making an impact, and I'm pretty proud of it. But I actually want to talk about um, a little bit, I guess it's uh, sort of tangentially related. Uh, Robert Morris uh, got a commit this week from Brian Kramer, who's a Wexford kid, uh, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite System, didn't play PIHL hockey, but did play uh, midget major here in Pittsburgh, and now playing for the Corpus Christi Ice Rays in the North American League. Um, second uh, local commit um, coming up for the Colonials, Roman Kramer. Uh, that Kramer has an E in it. Uh, will be part of their 19 class. He's playing for the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL. Um, another uh, local player for the Penn's Elite uh, outfit there. Um Obviously, lo recruiting locally has been a big part of what Derek Schooley has done at Robert Morris from the very beginning. They've got a uh, uh, number of local players there now, uh, Luke Lynch um, and Jacob Coleman, uh, both former PIHL players, uh, are juniors now and uh, kind of taking on a, a pretty big role on that team, I think. Uh, I think Luke Lynch is going to be one of its most important players. Uh, and, you know, it's... It's something that we've talked about on this show in years past. It's something we've talked about on the site an awful lot. Is that you know that that is an important part of um, what they're trying to do there. And um, I, I just I always uh, like to see that you know players with local ties that you know get to go and play their college hockey here in Pittsburgh, play in front of their family, play in front of that hometown crowd. Uh, week in and week out, and really make a name for themselves. Um, and oh, you know, Aiden Beck also a freshman. Uh, Ed Robert Morris, I don't believe he's probably going to redshirt this year. Uh, but you know, another uh, local player. Um, and and of course, there have been many, many in the past. Uh, you know, you look at Zach Lynch, of course. The, yeah. yeah, Zach Lynch and uh, guys. You know, all the way up and down the uh, you know, Berman South, all those. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's been there's been a ton. Um, from a, a guy like David Rigetti and and uh, just um, graduated uh, last year uh, was uh, you know, uh, Alex Dagnall, yeah. kid from uh, Peters Township. So plenty of local players on that team throughout the years, and it's good to see that continuing because I think since we've started the site, have you noticed, because I've noticed it, it seems like there are a lot more schools recruiting Western Pennsylvania. It seems like it's been a more um, – a more competitive recruiting environment than it has been. Maybe not the number of high-level guys, as we saw guys you know, playing for the U.S. national team, guys playing in the OHL, but it seems like there are just more college hockey players coming out of this area and going to 
far. I mean, there's been players at Notre Dame, player or players at uh, North Dakota, Colorado College, Air Force. I mean, they're they're are all over the place. It's amazing you just brought that up because I've been noticing the last couple of weeks, and this is an ironic thing is that I've been noticing it at the high school level. I've been seeing a lot more clipboards, a lot more guys looking, kept keeping an eye on the talent that's coming through the area. And, you know, I, I'm already on game number nine for the regular season coming up for my in-the-rink coverage, and we're only in week three. So, And I'm seeing these, you know, scouts almost style looking at guys wanting to bring them in. And, I, you know, I was overhearing a couple things here and there. You know, you see the logos on the – on the chest, you know, we're talking schools like Slippery Rockers. They're talking ACHA club hockey, but at the same time, that's still a step in there that you can look at. We were talking about Alex Dagnall earlier. He he started out on the Robert Morris club team, made his way to the Division One team when there was an opening. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at our list right here. We have this massive list of players from Western Pennsylvania that we keep to try to keep track of them all. Now, I haven't updated this in a while, so maybe this isn't 100% accurate, but I'm just looking at what I have here. Air Force, Arizona State, Bentley, Bowling Green, Colorado College, UConn, Ferris State, Mercyhurst, Niagara, Providence, RPI, Ohio State, Penn State, Robert Morris, Yale, Boston University, Cornell, Merrimack, New Hampshire, Quinnipiac, and RPI. That's just players. And and like I said, that list might not be completely accurate. It's certainly not exhaustive. And that's only NCAA Division One. The page for Division Three and ACHA guys is 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 the, is the book of scrolls. It's enormous. There's so much talent in this area, and I I, I love to see it get recognized. And obviously, we're gonna you know. Do a bigger thing when it's uh, you know a player getting committed committed to Robert Morris as opposed to maybe a different school, but uh, it's always uh, it's it's what we're here for. You know, when when a football player commits to their school, you know it's 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 on the it's on the six o'clock news. You know, they got the hat thing and it's a big deal, and no one else is paying attention to this stuff happening at the high school level. I'm looking at that, and I actually were mentioning that list for the headwaters list that we refer to it as, and. I was talking to our newest uh, contributor, Matt Mamros. He's going to be helping us out with a little bit of that here and there. And he, I showed him that list on Saturday, uh, Saturday for the Robert Morris women's game, and his jaw hit the floor. He did not expect me. But then he was picking off names that he knew from as he was looking through everything. And he didn't even you know, double think about and There are people that you don't even know, you know, that you don't remember playing, but they're out there doing things like that. So... It's it's an extensive list. You're exactly right, but they're they're looking here. Like there is there are eyes on Western Pennsylvania for the talent that's coming through right now. All right, one more piece of the story that I find very interesting. So Brian Kramer plays for Penn's Elite U18 team last year. End of the year signs a tender, which is uh, it, it's you're not drafted. You get to pick the junior team that you want to play for, and they can only sign so many players to a tender, and then the rest of the players they have to get. Uh, through the draft. So he signs a player tender with Corpus Christi. Uh, we've had players at Corpus Christi before. I know it's a pretty good pretty good spot in junior hockey, but it wasn't something that really uh, you know, raised on my, anything on my personal radar or something that mm-hmm. I need to follow up on. I get the commitment announcement, and I'm looking through it, and I read there's a quote uh, that the NAHL provides from the head coach at Corpus Christi, who is Ryan Crothers. Now, Ryan Crothers is a former Robert Morris forward, had a long professional career, spent many years uh, both overseas and in in the minor pro ranks. Uh, Reading Royals played with them for several years in the ECHL. And the last I had heard, he was a coach 
Uh, actually, he was the uh, director of hockey operations for um, an SPHL team last year. Um, and then I, I hadn't hadn't crossed my radar where he had moved to. So uh, I found it very interesting that Crothers, uh, he, you know, it, it's not like he he recruited Kramer. He came in after the mm-hmm. after he'd already signed that tenure um, tender. But uh, he's the head coach there in Corpus Christi and uh, found a way to get one of his players to his alma mater. Uh, so I found that very interesting. And actually, I think it's something I want to follow up on. Um, you know, Derek Schooley is, is in his 15th year head coach at Robert Morris, the program's 15th year. But there can't be anything that makes you feel older than when you're recruiting a player from one of your former players. If, if that isn't a a sign you've been doing this job for a very long time, I don't know what is. So I want to talk to Derek about that, pick his brain, maybe pull his leg a little bit. But it's got to be a cool feeling for him to have, you know, players that came up as, as a Robert Morris player, then they were a former Colonial, you know, playing in the pro ranks, and now uh, to have a former Colonial and, and he's not the only one. There are other uh, former Robert Morris players coaching, but I believe he's the only one you know, kind of coaching at that level where he has the opportunity to send uh, a junior college, a junior hockey player to Robert Morris. So that's that's a pretty cool situation. It's there. definitely awesome to see. I mean, and you're mentioning that, but we're looking. You're saying 15 years, and now you're starting to see that pipeline of, hey, the program's at the point now that you're starting to build that little bit of a continuity that community that he's able to talk to his old coach and say hey these are the players coming and that that's definitely something cool to see out there and that's one of those other things that we're looking at as you know in this Berg hockey thing that we're trying to put together absolutely that's what it's all about that's why we started the site that's why uh I'm so proud of the, everything that you've done and that we've been able to put together because it means a lot to me and it means a lot to a lot of people out there I think as we've seen from the reaction all right you don't have to suck up to me but uh Thanks again, Alan. Once again, that was Alan Saunders, the owner, the captain of Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. Find him a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. Of course, it's always good to have Alan Saunders back on the mic. Uh, very outspoken. Very good for what we do. He keeps me in check all the time. We're going to switch gears here. We're going to go to the island once more. We're going to talk about the Robert Morris women. Of course, the Robert Morris women opened up their home stand against the RPI engineers. A uh, <laughs> little flip of the script on what happened with the with the men, of course. They, uh, they were unable to beat Salander on Friday. Uh, we had Parker Hurley in the rink. They ended up putting 58 shots on net uh and lauren bailey was basically the bad luck loser in that she that was a result that i don't think a lot of faces look good because i got there in between games so like i got there as their game was ending so i was able to see the you know the faces afterwards and that just looked like a locker room that wasn't exactly pleased with uh the Ups with the uh, result of that game, um, Parker was telling me that there were many opportunities that they should have been able to take up at Salander, just absolutely stonewalled them wherever they can. And when you get a 58 save shutout, there's not much more that you can talk about. Uh, that is a uh, that is a feat in its own, especially whenever you get one with a high sh- high shooting, uh, high accuracy team like Robert Morris, and. 
Well, they flipped a script on Saturday, and it definitely looked like a team that wanted to come out and prove a point. And prove a point they did. They were able to uh, get out early, get all over the engineers, and then uh, a mean dump in by Katie Sadawi. We're going to get the pronunciation down finally. Matt Popchuk was talking about that afterwards, and I talked to to Katie afterwards. Uh, Was able to put a uh, dump pass on net that beat uh, Salander 5-hole to give Robert Morris a 1-0 lead in the first period. Following that, they, you know, RPI was able to tie things up a little bit later until we had a situation. And that was that Natalie Marcuse, the uh, outspoken forward for the Robert Morris women as a junior, uh, she went into the boards a little bit awkward. And in that term, she ended up, uh, at my angle, I was directly behind the net at the time shooting pictures. Because um, when, I, when I write and I, do, and I take pictures, I basically had to do everything at once. And by my angle, I was concerned. Like I was thinking that she wasn't going to get up. I thought maybe they lost one of their better centermen through the remainder of the year. And lo and behold, she gets up. Uh, Lindsey Golarski, the athletic trainer, talked to her for about five minutes. And then uh, Curlette and Gabbard came over and got her and carried her off t- to sit on the bench. And by all accounts, you know, she looked like she was putting weight on it as she was walking around behind. You weren't sure. Came out for her next shift, and before that happened, J.C. Gebbard scored another goal from inside the dirty areas between the circles to give the Robert Morris Colonials a lead on the power play. So Robert Morris was able to take a lead there, and at the end of the game, it was none other than Natalie Marcuse scoring the empty net goal with 58 seconds remaining. Not to be outspoken, there was a debut in the game. It was Ariel DeSmet, the first-year goaltender out of Vermont, and she only saw nine shots on net. She stopped eight of those, and the eight that she saw, she was pretty sharp on. Uh, Somebody to look forward to coming down the road right now. you know, you needed a little spark, and you made a change. And when you could make a change in goal, you'd look at your team and how they respond. And that's one of those things, that, as a coach, it's tough to make a decision on. But when you do, you're lucky to have options like they have. And this isn't the same team that this team was. You don't have a Jessica Dodds and Elijah Milne-Price behind her. you got to find out what you have. And the only way you find that out is getting them inside that crease and letting them face a little bit of uh, adversity inside the game. So uh, it was good to see... DeSmet get her first win as a Colonial. Uh, eight, nine shots, eight saves. And the CHA Rookie of the Week honors, which I always joke around. These girls just continue to end up on the record books and doing all these amazing things and doing these, getting these awesome awards. And it's good to see another one, a new name on it. And we'll look forward to the future of seeing more and more and more as they go. We're going to flip the switch once again. We're going to talk a little bit about the players that have been through the area. And to do that, I'm going to introduce you guys to another one of our newest contributors. And that, of course, is Matt Mamrose. You probably have heard the name whenever I talk on the uh, podcast about 
players that have done that have come through Robert Morris or you know the Robert Morris super fan with all the jerseys in the world. Uh, this is this gentleman, and he was talking to me about what he can do to help. And I said, "Well, all you get all this useful, not useless information that you have out there, and you throw it together, and you tell me we'll talk once a week, and we'll decide what is going to happen." And here's Matt Mamros. All right, now we would like to introduce a new segment and a new contributor, uh, Matt Mamros. Uh, you've heard of him several times during the podcast, but he's going to be helping us out now with some of our headwater stuff, especially the guys who have come through Robert Morris and or our local guys that are now just moving along through the system. Matt, how are you doing, man? How's everything going? Doing very well, very well, Mitch. Excited to uh, be on the show with you today. All right, now... I'm going to open it up a little bit different. We're not talking about the Headwaters guys right now. You and uh, Andrew Wisniewski headed out to Bowling Green this last week, uh, this last weekend for the back end of the home and home with, between Robert Morris and Bowling Green. What are your takeaways from you know being in a, a top twenty uh, matchup with uh, Bowling Green in their arena? It was a very very tough environment. They have some pretty rowdy, crazy fans. They'd definitely be up there on Mitch challenge if they qualified but uh the mascots were great uh lots of action going on they got a big dedication for doc Emmerich as he's an alumni and so is steve mears of bowling green and they got something for all their hall of famers lots of jerseys hanging up killer team shop it was quite an adventure you must have been uh in heaven with all the jerseys you're you're a well-known jersey guy I am. Yeah, it was it was cool to see that stuff, and it was definitely the real stuff. You know, sometimes schools will put replica jerseys up for their their players, but these were the real things, and you could you could see them, you couldn't touch them, but they were there. Yeah, it was you, awesome to look at that stuff. If you ever have any questions about jerseys, you definitely want to talk to Matt about that. All right, we're going to get into the bread and butter of what we've got going on. Matt, you're going to lead us off. What's going on with guys who have made it through Pittsburgh? Let's, let's start with the uh, the big guns here. Cody Wido from the the tournament game captain himself is leading the current league after leaving Wilkesbury to go over to the Swiss SW League. He's got seven goals in seven games and twelve points overall, and he's currently leading that league in points. Very impressive from Cody, and impressive. I expect nothing less. He's he's definitely a goal scorer. He's done it his entire career through Robert Morris and Wheeling. So. It's good to see him be able to go to Europe and make that work over there. Absolutely. And he's playing with his buddy, uh, Kenny Ryan, who Naylor's fans may or may not remember. They didn't play together when they were in Wheeling, but definitely on the same team, different lines. All right. Next up, uh, Zach Lynch made his debut for the same wheeling nailers we were talking about just a little bit ago. He had, uh, he had a two-assist game and a loss to the Norfolk Admirals this weekend. And I'm not sure if that was at West Bank or not, but it's good to see the, the Robert Morris kids tearing it up in the East Coast Hockey League for sure. Yes, definitely. you got another one coming up here too, uh, one I didn't see coming. Sure. Uh, Daniel Levins is on his fifth ECHL team, but he is now in Toledo uh, playing with the Walleye, and they come to Wheeling quite a bit this year, so I talked to him a little bit, saw him at Bowling Green, and they're definitely 
coming to West Bank, and so I'm looking to meet up with him again after that game. Yeah, Toledo definitely uh, spends quite a few games at the West Banco Arena, so and it's one of their big rivals there in Wheeling, so it's going to be fun to see those guys play each other. Oh, absolutely. The, the Walleye are a very physical team. They bring a lot to the Wheeling, but he had his first assist with the Walleye this weekend. There we go. And looking at the last year's team, Brady Ferguson, he's on an AHL contract with the Marlies, but they are currently stacked. So he is with the newest squad in the ECHL, the Newfoundland Ground Growlers. Got a big uh, dog at their mascot. And he has three points, two goals and one assist in three games. And he was just named the second star for their contest last night against the Adirondack Thunder. All right. And, uh, of course, Brady Ferguson had the big camp with Toronto uh, this year. Was stuck on for a little bit. And, like you said, Toronto just right now, because of all the years that they spend, they're just stacked in their uh, in their developmental system. So it's good to see uh, Brady sticking on and with an AHL contract but having to spend a little bit of time in ECHL. Definitely good work to hone his skill down there. So getting to the pros, especially with the rough nature of the ECHL. So, all right. Absolutely, and I don't, I don't expect him to be down there very long, so Growlers fans should enjoy him while they have him because at some point this year he will be up in the AHL for an extended stay. Absolutely, he's got that He's got that eye. I mean, it's going to be tough to break anything in Toronto's system, but he'll be back up there. There's no doubt in my mind. All right, what do we got Absolutely. here? Uh, switching over to the women's for a second here. The legendary Brittany Howard made her season debut for the Toronto Furies of the CWHL this uh, weekend. She's playing on a line with two Olympians, uh, Foss and Natalie Spooner. And she, unfortunately, zero points in two games, but you can't keep that girl off the scoring sheet from, for too long. I expect her to tear it up this weekend wherever they're at. Yeah, she definitely has the skill. Um, being on a line with two Olympians makes me think that, you know, the coaches recognize that up in, in Toronto. So it'll be good to see what happens with the with Robert Morris's career scoring leader by a long margin. Uh, absolutely. And I, I've had a, the uh, privilege of seeing her and Elijah Milne twice play each other preseason, and she was on the top line. And... Anessa Gamble is also on the Fury, so it'll be interesting to see what those two can do this year. EK on the 40-man definitely will be serving as the second goalie this weekend in Montreal with their starter heading to the Four Nations Cup, which is coming up. And the Fury will lose quite a few players there, too, so I think Britt will really take over with uh, Spooner and Sosk and Nurse Dawn. Yeah, you, get, four you had to look at that, the uh, CWHL and the NWHL. They have a lot of their players play cross with the uh, the national teams, so they, they do lose a lot of them, especially uh, last year both teams took a hit during the Olympics because the players had to actually focus on the Olympics 95% of the season. So, um, Absolutely. And that, and that's, that's just what makes Olympic hockey so good. That's what I uh, noticed about the, uh, the Furies roster is that Anissa Gamble did make the the, the uh, actual roster for the franchise, so she's actually on their their game day rosters. Uh, whether she plays or not, I she mean is. that's that. But she is definitely she's not on the forty player, so 
she definitely is up there. And, and like you said, Elijah Milne Price is going to be backup goaltender this weekend. So it's good to see, you know, get her into a regular season uh, game scenario. So, all right, moving along, you have something here from Erie, I believe, right? Yeah, let's talk Ontario Hockey League. Alex Grit from Cranberry, Pennsylvania, on the Erie Otters for, I believe this is his second, possibly third season in the OHL. He's got seven points in eight games for the Otters, two goals, five assists. And he's going to be really fun to watch, especially with the Otters not losing out on the Quinton Byfield lottery last year, but mm-hmm. they're going to be a definitely an insane, a, a very up-and-coming team, and in fact, I, I wouldn't put it past them if they're not the OHL champions in 2020 with the amount of talent they're going to have coming through Erie. That's a uh, that's a rough call there. That's a big big prediction. It's it's a big prediction, but the fans really believe that up there too. Drysdale, their their first round pick this year is the real deal on defense. Already playing top pair of minutes, but unfortunately not a Pittsburgh guy. All right, so, uh, you ready to be? USHL. You got to move on however you feel like it. This is your segment now. I'm just I'm just along for the ride. Um, we'll go to USHL, I guess. Sure, let's go to Youngstown, where we got two future Colonials, Connor McEachran and Roman Kramer. And McEachran is on, I believe, either the top or the second line for the Phantoms, and he's got three points in five games. And Roman Kramer's got one point in five games. But it, it's nice to see him six after... Uh, being placed on their 30-man roster, coming up from Johnstown where he played last year and starred. Definitely, definitely. And Youngstown uh, will play, I believe, this weekend. They are on on the road. So they have a couple uh, a road. They're on against Waterloo, Dubuque, and the Cedar Rapids this weekend. So They'll be on the road. They won't be home till next Friday. They'll play Dubuque at 7.05 at the Cavelli Center. So if you want to come and check out those guys up there, definitely give them a uh, look and see how they, they're playing. Let's what, what an awesome environment up there, too. I highly recommend anybody that hasn't seen USHL hockey to get up there and check it out because it's a it's a real fun, family-friendly environment. The chicken, tickets actually aren't too expensive either. They're, they're a little bit more than Nailers tickets, but... You won't be disappointed, that's for sure. It is a great environment up there. I was up there last year for a regular season game at early in the season, and they put on a good show there. I believe it was actually their home opener that I was there for. So they put on a great show up in up in uh, Youngstown. I need to get up there real soon. Um, schedule's not looking good right now, but I'm trying to make my way up there. Um, just for the record, they played last weekend. They played Friday and Saturday. They lost on Friday. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at a different <laughs> I'm already jumping ahead to Johnstown. I apologize. Yeah, you, you want to take it away for Johnstown? Yeah, let's, let's talk to Johnstown. The other Hey Bear brother, Cameron, 12 points in 12 games for Johnstown, and he is tearing it up down there in the NAHL. I don't, I don't know if he'll get moved up to the USHL this season, but we're definitely very excited to have him coming to Robert Morris next year. Oh, that and Him was... and his brother will probably make a insane tag team if they get put on the same line but play a little bit of a different game definitely something great i i mentioned it before but definitely a uh a really rough and tumble type player that's really smart in the corners and i, I think he's gonna fit Derek schooley style very well down on there on the island so 
it's going to be exciting to see. It's a new era for the Robert Morris Colonials after you know this stretch of AHA. I guess they're starting to refer, return to referring to it as the Atlantic Hockey Association after trying to go to Atlantic Hockey Conference for a while. So I'm going to run with it after a big stretch of the Atlantic Hockey Association Championship games that they've been in. Uh, you know, four out of the last five. So you're starting to see that in your commitment classes and how people are viewing the program. So uh, players like oh, that absolutely. are coming. Players are, players are excited to come to Robert Morris now. Um, it's it's definitely going to look good there. And um, you have one more thing on this list for me. It's not, you know, who who do we have? Oh, sure. Penguins, Penguins fans will remember Matthew Barnaby. Well, his son has committed to Penn State University. Oh, my. He'll be playing D1 up in Hockey Valley, so that'll be fun to watch, and I'm sure we'll get to see him play against Robert Morris at some point in the near future here. Following that role of Eddie Olchek's son. Yeah. First, Tommy Olchek going. Yeah, I believe. I believe so. Well, I believe you are, you are correct on that one, I believe. So, Matt, anything else for me that popped up? That's all I got this weekend, but hopefully we got some very exciting news next weekend for you. Oh, definitely. We'll, we'll continue to monitor these guys and everybody else I, I missed, but, uh, you know, we got definitely a lot of Colonials in the East Coast Hockey League, and hopefully I get to go see some of those dudes down in Wheeling as they come up this year, because honestly it's just a little bit tough to travel to, like, Greensville to see Timmy Moore or or India, Indianapolis to see the ND Fuel which I believe that is where um, Spencer Dorwitz is at. And we got uh, Rob Mandel. I, I do believe that Spencer's in Cincinnati now. Cincinnati Cyclones. Okay. Yeah. We will we will see him a lot then because the Cyclones are big, big rivals with the, the Wheeling. Absolutely. Wheeling. Let me just – I want to verify that because I don't want to hear that I, I got that wrong. But I do believe he is in Cincinnati uh, it, this it's year. It's hard to keep track of these dudes in the East Coast Hockey League because they move around quite a bit. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, Daniel Levin's traded three times last year, three different teams. Spencer Dorowitz, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, gotcha. Cincinnati, got it. Let's see if there's anybody else down there that I recognize. No. All right, Matt, I appreciate everything, giving us all the help with this. Um, it's You don't know how hard it is to follow all this stuff, so... Um, that is it's, it's challenging, but you got to care a little bit about how the Colonials and the Prayers are doing because before you know, there'll be too many to keep track of. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely pegging that way. Matt, uh, thank you again, everybody. That was Matt Mamros. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Thirteen Mamros. I'm Brian Mitchell. We will be right back. Hello, everybody. Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's challenge. Of course, Mitch's challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see the, what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best. 
when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. I'd like to thank Matt Mamros for joining us on the podcast. We're going to flip around to high school now. High school. Uh, we're going to talk in the rink coverage and everything that you need to know about the PIHL. That, of course, is my domain now. So we're going to do things a little bit differently as I continue to try to figure out a good format for this. We're going to start with the individual classifications, and I'm going to work my way through it. We're not going to jump around like I had before because now the information is going to start getting more, and we're going to try to talk about the players and the standings and you know the games that had occurred. And I want to start by making sure that we're all on the same page with the, all the information that you get and we'll talk about it later. There's something I want to talk about a little bit later, but we're not going to get there now. We're going to go through everything that we need to. Um, so let's just start with the week that was in the, the AAA. Of course, we had our in-the-rink coverage last week at Alpha Ice Complex, but there was another game that I was unable to get a score for, and that was Bethel Park Cannon McMillan. Bethel Park put up 63 shots on Cannon McMillan Mario Afraidy. Uh he stopped four. He stopped 59 of those 63, but unfortunately, they were only able to put one in the net on Bethel Park. So Bethel Park walked away with a 4-1 lead there. Then we move along, and we are talking Seneca Valley, Mount Lebanon on Monday at Mount Lebanon Rec. Ed Major was there. He will talk about that a little bit later when we talk to Ed Major. It was. 2-1 is your final. It looked like Wyatt George got the pair of goals while Seneca Valley was up in the third. It was nothing-nothing after two, of course. Uh, Griffin Erdley got a pair of assists on both of Wyatt George's goals. Uh, a little bit crazy at the end of the game. It looks like we got misconducts all over the place. But in goal, we had Bradley Weaver, and he uh, stopped 23 of the 24 that he saw for Mount Lebanon. Uh, Cole Hoffman, 27 of 29 for Seneca Valley. Then we move along and we are talking Central Catholic and Butler at Frozen Pond on Monday. That was a 6-5 final in favor of Central Catholic. I believe that went to overtime. Uh, overtime winner was by Ronan Junker. The goals during the game, you look at Central Catholic getting off to a 2-1 lead. Ronan Miller opened it up for Butler, but John Knoll and Joseph Paludnik got goals to get Central Catholic the lead. Butler tied it up. Another goal by Ronan Miller. Dylan Vallo got a goal for Central Catholic. Ronan Miller gets the hat trick in the third to give to tie things up for Butler. Central Catholic, Claudio Simone gets a goal to give them the lead. Butler ties it right back up. Blake Sinicki gets a goal from Ronan Miller. Anthony Perdue, 5-4 for Central Catholic until Beck McLean gives Butler the tie with 16:45 elapsed in the third period, which means 15 seconds remaining in the game. Central Catholic won it on a goal from Ronan Junker at 1-14 uh, uh, of the overtime. In goal was Norbert McDermott for Central Catholic. He stopped 11 of 16. And Brett Rierick for Butler got 28 of 34 in that contest. Good game there for those two. North Allegheny Peters, our game with uh, Matt Geica live at Printscape. North Allegheny was able to take Peters down 5-3 in that game. 
looking at North Allegheny getting off to a 4 nothing lead. Dylan Watkins, Aaron Miller, Justin Simons, Christopher Hanlon getting up goals by the end of the second period. Jeremy Anthos was able to get them a 4-1 deficit by the end of that period. In the third period, Peters comes back. Dylan McElhenney and Mark Lehman get goals for Peters, and then Dylan Watkins puts it away with an empty netter with 16, at 16-10 of the third period. Uh, in goal, we had Richard Carpondi getting a stopping 28 of 31 that he saw. Brock Sharbaugh got 14 of 19 for Peters. So another good game in there in Triple A uh, standings after the after the week that was. Look, right now it's Wednesday, October 17th. Just to give you a heads up of what day I'm recording this on. North Allegheny out to a, a 3 nothing start. Sorry, a 3-0-0 start. Six points. Central Catholic right behind them with five points. Peters Township and Seneca Valley, you got four points each at 2-1. Bethel Park, you have two points at 1. You're 1-0, but you've only played one game. Everybody else has played at least two. Mount Lebanon, 1-2 to start the season. Two points for you guys. Butler, you have two points after two overtime losses. Cathedral Prep, you have two losses, no points. And Cannon McMillian, two points. I'm sorry, no loss. No, no points, two losses. St- looking at statistics, speaking now, Triple A. Ronan Junker in the lead, six points for Central Catholic. Butler's Ronan Miller. Anthony Perdue from Central Catholic and Jeremy Anthos from Peters. You each have five points. Then you got a five-way tie for four, for a third. Brett Bennett Thrash, Joshua Rip, Aaron Miller, Hayden Shimko, and Ryan Luppy, all with four points. Um, the scoring race is a little tight. Of course, we're only two and a half weeks in. So statistically speaking, we are starting to look good. And the, for the netminders, uh, Seth Faulkner from Cathedral Prep, 0-2, but has stopped 56, 54-56 and only given up two goals in those losses. So... You look at that, he's leading in the save percentage of the 964. Aiden Campbell of, of that vaunted uh, Seneca defense has only given up two goals also. A .98 goals against average of 952. He stopped 40 of 42 through the two games. Uh, Nicholas Goimon from Buffalo, uh, Butler, I'm sorry, Bethel, uh, 1-0. He has a 950 goals against average with one goal against. Of course, they've only played the one game so far. And Richard Kirpondi of North Allegheny. A 9.47, stopped 72 of 76 he's seen over the three games that he's played. So he's he's played the most out of the teams that already have. So you're looking at a very, very, very uh, close goaltending matchup in AAA. We're going to move on to AA next. And it's a little bit of the same, but a little bit different at the at, in a way. Um let me open that up. We got the, of course, the new PIHL website. It's a little hard to get around, but once you get around it, it's uh, it actually is pretty nice. So we're, we got the schedule popping up right now, and of course, we left when we left. We left Shaler and Quaker Valley last Tuesday night, and on that evening, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Shaler and Quaker Valley were last Tuesday night, and on that evening. Shaler defeated Quaker Valley 6-3. to three. 
And, of course, I was following along in that game. You saw Adam Beginski get a pair of goals. So it opened up in the first. Shaler got went up to a 2-0 lead. Uh, Spencer Platt and Adam Beginski got goals in that game. Spencer Platt, of course, scored on the penalty shot. Joshua Bemis was able to get Quaker Valley to within 2-1 until Adam Beginski gets his second on even strength to make it 3-1. Uh, Joshua Bemis got his second to make it 3-2 until Adam Beginski got his hat trick to make it 4-2. Sam Stadur got his uh, got Shaler out to a 5-2 lead. William Junker, a uh, 6-2 lead for Shaler. And then Quaker Valley was able to get one to get within three. It was Noah and Maddie got, some, uh, got a goal there. So that ended up 6-3 in net. It was Colin, Colin Rice for Quaker Valley. He stopped 30 of 36. Darren Rezmizic. I'm probably going to mispronounce a lot of these goaltenders' names, but that's all right. Uh, stopped 25 of 28 in the win for Shaler. Game number two on... Let's see if I can... It's, there's a lot of games that occurred, so I try to split them up per week, guys. Moon Hempfield, our drop-in game of the week. I was there for this one on hand. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Moon was Moon dropped the contest to Hempfield five to three. It was a very wide open game. Moon opened up the scoring with a goal from Zach Wilson at 4:36 of the first. Matt Trzinski, you're going to hear that name a lot coming up. Oh, got hit, got Hempfield within to a tie at 10:47 on the power play. Jared Gerger, 2-1 Hempfield at the end of one after the Gerger goal. Moon tied things up, 226 of the second. David Pollock got his uh, his even strength goal. Matthew Trzinski gets a pair by the end of the period to make it 4-2. Connor Moran got a goal to give Moon within one, but Daniel Pronin was able to get a goal at with 26 seconds remaining to give Hemfield the win. And at 5-3, it was an empty netter for Pronin. In net for that game, it was Luke Konasai. He got he stopped 34 of 39 in the loss. Joseph Baylor got stopped 12 of 15 for Hemfield. And we move along. You got your next contest came. On Thursday, it was Armstrong and Pine Richland. The Rams won that game 5-2 to two after getting out to a 3-0 lead on goals by Jared Eggert, Nicholas Monaco, Brandon Kasher. Armstrong was able to get within two from a, from Maddox Rerick. William Stutt gave them a three-goal, the uh, Rams a three-goal lead returning, and then Giovanni Rome- Romeo, Gave them a two-goal deficit for Armstrong. Brian Phipps made it 5-2. to two. In net for Armstrong was Ryan Bowser. He stopped 35 of the 40 shots the Rams put on him. Daniel Stouffer gave uh, Pine Richland the win, stopping 13 of 15. Then you move along. Hampton, Franklin Regional on center ice on Monday. I was there for that one with our newest contributor, uh, Jared Todd Hunter, sorry, his name escaped me for a second there. Franklin Regional ended that one in a 7-8 wild conversation. And I'm guessing both my games at Center Ice Arena, the goaltenders are in the Witness Protection Agency afterwards. We'll discuss that in a little bit. Franklin Regional opened up the, the scoring 
Trent London goal, he was able to be matched by J- Justin Adamski to tie things up for the Hampton Talbots. Kevin Kanotic got a goal to give Franklin Regional a 2-1 lead. Adamski, power play goal, gave Hampton a 2-2 tie. Hampton would be able to take the lead then with a Michael Orban even strength goal. Trent London tied things up for Franklin Regional just 21 seconds later. Joseph Sherapel was able to give Franklin Regional the lead 4-3. And then Michael Orban was able to give Hampton another 5-4 lead early in the third period. Kev- Kevin Kanotic got a tying goal for Franklin Regional. And Sherapel were able to get a second goal to make it 6-5 Franklin. Commendatore gave Hampton another tie with 9.56 elapsed in the third period, but it didn't take long for sure, Pearl, to give Franklin Regional a 7-6 lead. Within a minute and a half later, Commendatore gave Hampton a tying goal on the power play, but Franklin Regional would end up winning it with 48 seconds remaining on a goal by Trent London. In a wild, wild, wild contest, Jake, Jake McGee got the start, stopped 25 of 33 goals in the loss for Hampton. Daniel Soltes, 35 of 42 for the Franklin Regional Panthers. Greater Latrobe and Upper St. Clair. Handwork was starting a season with two straight shutouts, but in this game, Gage Handwork got a little bit of a challenge as Greater Latrobe defeated Upper St. Clair 5-4. to four. Upper St. Clair's got a little, getting pretty well there. Latrobe would open up the scoring. Gregory Ferry would get an even strength goal. And then Upper St. Clair tied things up. Quinn Giacobbe. At the end of the, in the second period, it was all Greater Latrobe. As they would get goals from Derek Halula. Gregory Ferry would get his second. And Cole Novak would make it 4-1. Chase Wutcher would get Upper St. Clair within two again. By the end of that period. In the third period, Upper St. Clair went on a tear. Were able to tie things up on goals from Devin Rorick. So he got two goals in the period to tie things up at 232 and 754. In the overtime period at 105 elapsed, Gregory Ferry would win things for Latrobe, who start the season 3-0 in net for Greater Latrobe was Gage Handwork. He was able to get stopped 22 of 26 in the victory. Uh, Kyle Rorick stopped 37 of 41 in the loss. Moving along, Armstrong, Quaker Valley. This was at Barrel on Monday. It was a 6-2 final in favor of the Quaker Valley Quakers. Joshua Bemis got another goal. Uh... To open up scoring with 531. Shortly thereafter, Lance Quinnell was able to tie things up for Quake, for Armstrong. Hunter Matty gave Quaker Valley a 2-1 lead in early second period. Giovanni Romeo tied things up. And then it was all Quaker Valley in the third. Noah Matty, Joshua Bemis, Cole Musser got two goals towards the end of that game. And we had a 6-2 final in net for those two squads. Ryan Bowser stopped 18 of 24. Philip Gagne was able to stop 26, 20, 26 of 28 in the win for Quaker Valley. P- 
Penfield, Penn Trafford. You look at this one. Hemfield was able to take away a 7-4 victory from that game. Hemfield opened up the scoring. Matthew Trzinski with one nothing gave him a one nothing lead at 5:34 the first. Ben Leslie tied things up for Penn Trafford until Jared Gerger, only a mere seven seconds later, was able to give Hemfield the lead back. Christian Konzeka gave Hemfield a 3-1 lead at 1:40 of the second period. Jack Hughes got Penn Trafford back within one. Hughes would tie things up early in the third before Nicholas Lippa gave Hemfield a 4-3 lead. Gavin Patrick gave them a tie again with his goal at 8-0-3 for Penn Trafford. Then it was Hemfield, Hemfield, Hemfield as Trzinski would get his second goal of the night. Caden Spare would get his first goal of the evening, and then Trzinski would finish the hat trick with 15, at 15-31 elapsed in the game. In goal for Hemfield, it was Sean Laniger. He stopped 32 of 36 in the victory. Braden O'Connor stopped 28 of 35 for Penn Trafford. I was able to talk to Matt Trzinski after that game. Uh, here's what he had to say about his uh, two straight hat tricks. Two straight games, two straight hat tricks. How does it feel? It feels really good, you know. We have a good team this year, and uh, you know, I'm just feeling hot right now. What is happening? What is going on? Are you just, is there something you changed? or? Uh, my line mates really helped me out. Christian Kanachka and Daniel Pronin were really clicking, and uh, we're just finding the net right now. 3-0 and to start in, uh, in double-A right now. you got Upper St. Clair coming up. How much more do you think you guys got <laughs> early in the season? I think uh, we can keep going. Upper St. Clair is a good team. Uh, we're definitely going to have to battle to win that one, but uh, I think we can get it done. Baldwin and Plum out of the Pittsburgh Ice Arena. Baldwin would defeat Plum 6-4. to four. James Dula opened up scoring for Baldwin 1-0. Daniel Baranski, Barnowski tied things up for Plum at, by the end of the first. In the second period, it was a lot of scoring. Plum took the lead on a Logan Schlegel goal. But Justin Pollard, Nathan Hobson, and Paul Zmuda as well as Justin Pollard's second, gave Baldwin a 5-2 lead within a two-minute span of that second period. Plum would get things back within one, within two as Adamski made it 5-3. Baldwin would take a 6-3 lead by the end of the second as Nelson Byes scored on the power play. In the third period, Plum would just get one more from Anthony Adamski on the power play, and that's how it ended, 6-4 in favor of the Highlanders. In net, was Cole Shannon for ba for Baldwin in the victory? He stopped 27 of 31. And then Plum, the share of starter Joseph Miller. Miller had stopped. Oh, this is one thing that's different about the PIHL website as I'm going off the statistics. Joseph Miller stopped 15 of 17 in relief. I believe Samuel Pine started and stopped 21 of 17 for Plum. So we had a share of goaltenders there for the Mustangs. I guess they changed in the second period. They just don't change the amount of time that they spent. Pine Richland met Moon. I believe that's a barrel, and they won 5 to nothing. Pine Richland started the game. Goals from... Jared Eggert, Brandon Kasher, Jack Carnival, Jared Eggert, and William Stutt to make it a 5-0 win. 
Luke Conase was able to get 35 of 40 in the loss. For Moon, Daniel Stauffer stopped all 11 pieces of vulcanized rubber he faced. Mars and Shaler. Mars was able to walk away with a 3-2 victory on the evening. Shaler opened up the scoring, however, as Samuel Stador was able to get a goal at 3.32 of the first. Brandon, Braden Hanna gave Mars the tie on a power play goal at 3.36 of the second. Spencer Platt scored a shorthanded goal at 14.42 of that second period. Mars tied things up on a goal from Mackenzie Reamer at even strength with 4.32 elapsed in the third. And in the overtime, Mars was able to walk away on a shootout victory. So in net... Daniel Mitchell stopped 21, 19 of 21 for Mars. And Darren Rezmizic stopped 33 of 35 for the Titans. That was the final game of what we have for our thing. So our standings look like this after, after two weeks, two and a half weeks. In the north and west, Pine Richland's out to a 3-0 and start. With six points. However, Mars is right there with them, 3 0. Shaler, you're out to a 1 0 and 2 start to give you four points. Quaker Valley and Hampton are, sorry, Quaker Valley, Hampton, and Moon out to 1 and 2 starts. You have two points for each of them. And Armstrong, the defending double A champions, are out to an 0 and 3 start to start the season. They did graduate several rookies, sorry, several seniors last year, so something to look at there. In the south and east, Greater Latrobe and Hemp Hempfield lead the way. 3-0 on the season. Upper St. Clair's 2-0-0-1. One overtime loss for Upper St. Clair. Five points, one point behind the leaders. Franklin Regional, 1-1-0-1. Gives you three points on the season, puts you in fourth. Baldwin and Penn Trafford tied at 1-2 with two points. And Plum, you have one overtime loss, gives you one point. Going to jump over into the single A now where things get a little bit stranger as standings look. We're going to give you the, the everything that happened in single A now. Once I get the schedule loaded up from the PIHL site, PIHLHockey.com, here we go. We started last Tuesday. I didn't have scores from a couple of them. Kiski, Westmont Hilltop. Westmont Hilltop knocked off Kiski area 3-1. to one. Colin Howe and Lane McQuillan got goals for each of their squads to make it 1-1 at the end of one. Hunter Parch gave Westmont Hilltop a 2-1 lead and then get his second of the game to give them the victory at 3-1. to one. It, Late in the third period, I believe that was an empty netter. In goal for Kiske was Corey McNunn. He stopped 42 of 45 in the loss. West top, Westmont Hilltop got a win from Alexander Shlakanov. 14 of 15 in that game for Shlakanov. Meadville Blackhawk on Thursday from Brady's run. Meadville put up the 11 spot on Blackhawk. They would get goals from... France, France would have four or five in this contest. So let me make sure I get this right. There's a lot of scoring here. France had five goals and two assists. He would get the first, second, third, 
and fourth goals of the game. Cole Weber got the fifth goal for Meadville. Meadville will get then the back-to-back goals from Matthew English. Brendan Leach would get one in there. Cole Weber will get his hat trick. Nicholas France. Sorry, no. Cole Weber did not get a hat trick. Nicholas France got his fifth of the game. And Parker Higham ended things at late in the third period. Uh, end goal for Meadville was Jordan McCurdy getting the start and the shutout. Joshua Polovich stopped 42 of 53 for the Blackhawk team up there. Fox Chapel and Beaver. 8-4 win for the Foxes here over Beaver. And that also was at Brady's run. Fox Chapel got them out to a... Reed Trapman gave out a 1-0 lead. Keith Kessler tied things up only... 50 seconds later for Beaver. Reed Troutman would give Fox Chapel the lead right back before Austin McElain would get a tie for the Beaver. Fox Chapel took a 3-2 lead by the end of the first when Reed Troutman would get his hat-trick goal in that contest. Ricky Downey, 4-2 Fox Chapel. Beaver would get another one from Keith Kessler, 4-3. Ricky Downey would get another one there with 5-3 Fox Chapel. Then in the third period, Reed Troutman would get a 6-3 lead for Fox Chapel. Beaver would get right back in it with a goal from Connor Hartman. Ricky Downey made it 7-4. And then Michael Clymer, or Kilmer would give Fox Chapel an 8-4 and the victory. In goal for Fox Chapel was Nash Wedner. He got Stop 13 of 17 on the day. Brandon Scheffler for Beaver. Stop 39 of 47. Pieces of vulcanized rubber that he saw. Next up was Norwin and Greensburg-Salem. Norlin would get the victory. 13 to 3. Ref started out 1-0 early in the game for Mason, Mason Pivernet would get them out to the big lead. And then Aiden Roscoe followed him up with an even strike goal of his own. Calvin Ent gets Greensburg-Salem within one, but then it was just all Norwin. As Aiden Roscoe, Luke Russman, Jacob Daly, Jacob Meyer, Daniel Good, Luke Russman again, Logan Connolly would get Norwin out to a 9-1 lead halfway through the second period. Cole McNair would try to get Salem back on a win, but it was covered by Dominic Barca, made it 10-2. Salvatore Cirilli gave Norwin 11-2 lead, and then Logan Marsalco made it 12-2. Zachary Solzek would get Greensburg-Salem their third goal of the game until Nicholas Diak gave Norwin a 13-3 win. In this game, in goal for Norwin was David Miscampbell. He was able to stop 15 of 18. Andrew Steed. Stopped 24 of 37 in the loss for the Golden Lions. Montour North Hills. The Montour train keeps rolling with an 8-1 victory over those Indians in North Hills. Michael Felsing gave, started out the scoring 1-0 for Montour as Montour would go out to a 8-0 lead. Anthony Migliozzi would give Montour a 2-0 lead. Mason Lutz, 3. 
Richard Froelich, Michael Felsing would get his second, Preston Muha and Mutoha would get his second, and Froelich would get his second of the game before Patrick Megahan would give North Hills their first goal of the contest late in the third. In goal was Zachary O'Malley for Montour, 19, 18 of 19. And then for North Hills, Ethan Isley and Hayden Trembulak would give would be the tandem in net that evening, first 35 minutes. Uh, Isley stopped 36 of 43, and Tremulak would stop four of the of the uh, five that he saw in that game. South Fayette and South Park. This is coming from the Ice Castle. Ian Kumar, sorry, seven nothing final for the South Fayette Lions. Ian Kumar got them out to a one nothing lead early. Matthew Swider, Kumar would get his second. Adam Unra would get him out to their fourth. Pollock would get a pair in the third, and Szymanski would give Sam, would give the seventh for South Fayette. Bruce Hardman would stop all the shots that he faced, all nine of them for South Fayette. South Park would get stop thirty six of forty two. That would be Trevor Trevor Slater would get the Lost for the Eagles. Wheeling Catholic, Chartiers Valley. This is an Ed Major in the rink action here. Chartiers Valley got out to a lead. Ryan Kantner would get to a one nothing lead for Chartiers Valley. Matthew Storer would give Charts give the Colts a two nothing lead. Mason Smith would get get them back within one. Clay Sna- Clay Slidler would tie things up for Wheeling Catholic in the second before Gregory Kramer and Jackson Fodor would give Chartiers Valley a 4-2 lead by the end of that second period. Gregory Kramer gave Chartiers Valley a 5-2 lead on that game, and that's how it would end in net for Wheeling Catholic was Jacob Lorine. He stopped 25 of 30, and... Joshua Griffith would stop 30 of 32 for Chartiers Valley. Moving along, heading a little bit further east, Westmont Hilltop and Bishop McCourt, the Battle of Johnstown. Bishop McCourt would open their season finally with a 3-1 victory over Westmont Hilltop. Jackson Dobbs got the opening goal for Bishop McCourt, but Hunter Parch would tie things up by the end of that period. In the third period, Mitsevi Kurilovic would give Bishop McCourt a 2-1 lead before Dobbs put things away at 646, 3-1 final. In goal for Westmont Hilltop was a, a split contest here, it looks like. Darren Ripogle would get would stop 21 of 24 for the Westmont Hilltop. Bishop McCourt would get a shut uh, victory for Cole Bradley stopping 20 of 21. Final game of the single A action that we're, we have available to you. 6-0 win for Meadville over Fox Chapel. Meadville gets opened up the scoring with Nicholas French, Cole Weber, Michael Mahoney, Brandon Leach, Bra- Michael Mahoney would get his second, and Ryan Schleppelman would close things out in the third to make it 6 to nothing. In net, Edward Kaufman got another shutout for Meadville. Sorry, the Meadville's second consecutive start shut out, but it was Edward Kaufman winning this game. Uh, Tyler Radigan for Fox Chapel, stopping 32 of 38. Your standings after 
the contest in single A. Of single A North, Meadville, you're out to a 3 nothing lead, but right there with you are those Montour Spartans with six points each. West Allegheny, Deer Lakes, and Freeport each have a win and a loss at two points. Swickley Academy, you join them right there. North Hills, a win and two losses puts you right there in a tie for that second spot. Fox Chapel, you are also tied with two points. Beaver and Blackhawk, 0 oh, and 2 starts there for those two franchises. In the, in the southeast, Norwin's out to a 3-0 and o start. Six points to get you leading that division. Westmont Hilltop right on their tail with four points. A 2-1. and one. Bishop McCourt, you're 1-0 and o after your first game of the season with two points. Indiana, Kiskey, and Greensburg-Salem are all winless on the season. So you guys are in last place on that one. Southwest, South Fayette, you're out to a 3-0 and o start. You have six points. You've scored 17 goals and only given up one so far. But right on your tail, two games played. 2-0 and is Thomas Jefferson. 16 goals for, one goal against. Chartiers Valley, 1-1. One and, one. and South Parker, 1-2. Two. two points each. Wheeling Park and Wheeling Catholic start the season out with no points so far. Statistically speaking, Nicholas France leading all single-A scoring right now with 13 points, 9 goals, and 4 assists over 3 games. Ian Kumar right on his tail with 10 points, 6 goals, 4 assists. Daniel Pollock, 9 points for South Fayette. Aiden Roscoe, Norwin has 8 points. Michael Felsing also has 8 points. And Richard Furlick, a pair of Spartans with 8 points there. Connor Hartman, Shane Miller, Nicholas Diak, Hayden Hintemeyer, and Edward Pazzo each have 7 points. To start the season in varsity of the single A variety. And in the in the net, you look at Meadville has a pair that started out the season very well. Jordan McCurdy has two games played for Meadville. He's off to a 1-0 start with 13 shots and saves. No goals given up. Edward Kaufman, his, his crease mate, 54 shots against, 55 I'm sorry, 55 shots against, 54 saves, gives him a 982 save percentage. Luciano Repepi, or Luke Repepi, if you may, coming in in third there, 976 over two games. Bruce Hardman, a 969, puts you in fourth place with three games played. Cole Bradley only played one game. Shalankov has played three games. He has a 952, stop 59 of 62. McMunn from Kiski. One game played, you saw 42 of 45. Shane Peremba has a South Park has a 64-69 for a 928. And Zachary O'Malley of Montour, 67 of 73. We're gonna move over into Division One now. I mean, sorry, Division Two. Division One. We're talking hockey a little bit later. Whenever we talk to a couple other people, wait for the st the standings to show up. And we are back into the standings now. Going back to Tuesday, just to make sure everybody had McCarrick was at the. I'm sorry, Tuesday on the ninth in Division Two, Ross Traver Ice Garden, Ringgold and Connellsville matched up. Ringgold was able to walk away with a 3-2 victory. Michael McKittrick got the Connellsville Falcons out to a one nothing lead before Ryan Mark. Gave Ringgold a tie up there. Ryan Brown, 2-1 wow. 
lead for Carnival by the end of the first peri- second period. Ringle, Justin's day, was able to tie things up at 110 of that third period before in overtime, Hunter Suarez was able to give Ringgold a 3-2 victory. In goal, Sebastian Skarzenski for Connellsville stopped 34 of 37. Evan Cook for Ringgold gave them 18 of 20 in the victory in the overtime win. Congratulations to the Ringgold Rams for an overtime victory there. Moved on to Monday, Frozen Pond knock home opener against McDowell. 3-2 victory for those knock knights over McDowell. Knock opened up the scoring with a goal from Jacob Golab. And then Camden Jackson followed him up in the second period. Roman Samara was able to get McDowell back within one before Jacob Parker tied things up in the third period before knock won in a shootout. Colin Bisbee got a start for McDowell, stopped 33 of 35. Lucas Henschel got the start for Nock and stopped 23 of 25 in the team's first victory in return. Morgantown and Connellsville out of the ice mine. Connellsville moving along again. Braden Phillip, it was a 5-3 victory for the Connellsville Falcons. Morgantown opened the scoring, however. Braden Phillips with a goal at 3-0-2-1. But it took Gregory Hench less than 25 seconds to tie things up. For the Falcons, Jeffrey Golubansky was able to give Connellsville a 2-1 lead before Quinton Smith tied things up for Morgantown. Gregory Hench gave Connellsville a 3-2 lead by the end of the first. That's how it ended. Ryan Brown gave them a 4-2 lead as soon as the second rolled around. Carter Klein got them in within 3-4. But uh, Ryan Brown put things away at 7-26 on the power play. And that's how things ended, 5-3 in the finals. It started for Morgantown. Of course, Sydney Smith stopped 21 of 26 that she saw that evening. Uh, Sebastian Skarnitzinski gave Connellsville a, a win there, 16 of 19 in that victory. Final game on the docket between then and now. Burl, Trinity, Princecape Arena. Burl wins 12-3 over the Trinity Hilliers. It started out in the first period. It was 8-1 by the end of that first period. Dylan Zalonka, Jonas Sopko, Tyler Stewart all got goals before Kale Allo was able to get one for Trinity. Tyler Stewart completed a hat trick with two more goals immediately before Zalonka, Schopf, and Cole Vizana were able to close out that first period 8-1. Schopf got a power play goal in the second, followed by Zalonka getting his hat trick. Ryan Tremel was able, was give, gave Trinity their second goal of the evening before Cole Vazana and Dylan Zalonka got his fourth. Corey Blomel was able to get Trinity their third goal at the end of the game. In net, for Burl, Austin Schuler looked like he got the start, stopped 18 of 16. I'm sorry, 16 of 18 for two goals against. Andrew Burkett got in at the end. Uh, they played a period there. Burkett uh, was able to get stop 9 of 10. Trinity goalies. Uh, Jonathan Chop got the start for Trinity. Stopped 27 of 39 in the loss. Division 2 standings after after the two and a half weeks of play look like this. 
The Burrow Bucks are out to a 3-0 start. Connellsville right on their tail at 2-0, as, as well as Ringgold and Carrick. Connellsville has one overtime loss to their credit, so they will receive that fifth point. Central Valley played one game out to a 1-0 start. Neshanik, 1-1 start, as, long as, as well as Knock, the two, the two new teams to the block this year. McDowell, also a new two, new team this year, 0-2 to start this season. They have an overtime loss. I'll give them one point. Trinity, Bishop Canavan, and Morgantown have not are winless so far. So that's your D2. Here are your stats for the Division 2. After that wild game in Burrow, I can only guess as to what this looks like. <laughs> Dylan Zalonka leads the way, 14 points. In the three games played, seven goals, seven assists. Tyler Stewart, nine goals and two assists for 11. Ryan Brown of Connellsville has seven goals and four assists. They each have two goals that are the game winners, Alonka with one. Sopko of Burl and Connellsville. It's just Burl and Connellsville down till Gavin McCain. He has two goal, three goals and two assists for Carrick. Carter Klein from Morgantown has four goals and assists. And then four players tied with four points. Logan Schoep. Michael Farkle, Quentin Smith, and Zach Kalinowski, Burl Carrick, Morgantown, and Ringgold, respectively. For the in the net, Zachary Zachary Hartlip of Bishop Canavan started two has played two games. He has saved all of the opportunities. He hasn't given up a goal yet. Scott Moody of Knock also played ten sixteen of one of the games. I believe that was the end of the Connellsville game. Stop four of four, but. It looks like when we get into it, Sean Dugan of Carrick, two goals, two games played. Oh, sorry, Roberto Wilhelm of Central Valley has stopped 15 to 16 in their only appearance of the year. Sean Dugan of Carrick uh, stopped 35 of 38 so far for a 921. Lucas Henschel of Knock has given up, has stopped 23 of 25 for the Knights. Sebastian Skarzynski for Connellsville has stopped 68 of 75 for one for a 907. Colin Bisbee of McDowell has stopped 104 of 115 shots he's faced for a 904. Burkett for Burrow closes thing and Forrester have each has a 900 save percentage. So that is your Division Two update. We are now going to talk to Ed Major, who is now on the line. Ed, how are you doing, buddy? I can't complain, Mitch. Having a good, pretty good week so far. Okay, you had a good in-the-rink coverage. We had a little bit of a miscommunication the other day, but uh, we got it figured out. Uh, you were at Mount Lebo Rec on Monday. You have anything going on there? What? What? How'd it go? Yeah, that was the uh, first time I've ever been out at, at Mount Lebo, so I I was really itching to kind of get get out and to see Mount Lebanon. So I I saw them and Seneca. And it was really a goalie clinic for up until like three minutes left mm -hmm. in the game when Seneca score broke the scoreless tie. And then Levo went and scored two back to back right within a minute of each other. And they came away with that victory. So that was pretty exciting. And of course you had Shar Valley and Wheeling Catholic that followed that up, which Wheeling Catholic held their own a lot more than I thought they would with a four-player bench. Yeah, those short benches. Uh, you know, some of these teams. It's one of the things about the 
especially single A, and you're looking at some of these squads that are only fielding nine to 12 players and on their entire squad. And they're just out there to compete, which is awesome to see. You know, these kids just want to go out there and play. But sometimes it just looks frustrating out there to see it. But they, they do hold their own. I mean, I'm lo- I went over that scoreboard earlier and definitely had a uh, a couple of those guys up on it. I mean, regardless of how many they gave up. So, yeah. Um, and you mentioned that earlier one, when Wyatt George. There's nothing I could say that, you know, nobody that people don't realize about him so far. So, yeah, so uh, you got out to Lebo, and we figured out what's, uh, you know, you got to see a little bit of triple A, a little bit of single A, uh, a little bit different than your normal double A coverage, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, a little bit little bit different than my typical Ice Castle endeavors for sure. Yeah, you get to see a lot of the double A guys down there whenever you do it. Um, so Ed is also our ACHA uh, aficionado. Um, you got anything for us from there? Uh, well, I personally, I was not able to make it out to the rink this past weekend, and I'm really kicking myself for that because apparently I missed a great one between Duquesne and West Virginia on Saturday night. Friday night, they traveled out to IUP, and they fell 5-1, to one, and IUP actually has been looking really good so far this season. And so Duquesne came back on Saturday against West Virginia. They just played this team about a month ago to open the season. And that was a 3-2 overtime win for the Dukes. And this game on Saturday ended up as a 4-3 overtime win for Duquesne. And if you're keeping score, that's three of the last four matchups between these teams have gone to overtime. The very first one last season did as well. And it ended up with a shootout win for West Virginia. Wow, that is a you know you think of the you look at D one and then you look at club hockey and you're like, there's not much of a fall off, especially when you're thinking you know the competition level is pretty even whenever you look at both levels uh, amongst the leagues themselves. So, wow, what do you go ahead? That's what I was thinking earlier today. Actually, I was thinking about I was looking for the rankings to be released. They're usually released on Wednesday nights. I don't see this week's rankings here released yet for the ACHA for men's division one, but all of the top, you could pick the top 10 teams of the rankings every week. And I would say that easily any one of those teams could go and compete in the NCAA tomorrow if they could. Oh, definitely. And, uh, I mean, it's not along the same lines, but you're talking about there's this big, there's a big thing right now. Uh, I believe it was uh, Division Three. Adrian went and upset a uh, Division One team in overtime this week. I believe it was uh, either Dartmouth or Princeton. I want to say it was one of the Ivy League schools that got got upset this week, and it's been all the rage recently. Uh, you know, the competition level is starting to even out whenever you get to the you get start to think about it. So. Um, club hockey, it's getting that. It's starting to start make its name for itself. So, um, okay. So, what do you got for us th- in terms of in the ring coming up? Uh, coming up, I'm, unfortunately, I won't have much this weekend. I am preparing to head out to Chicago for for a, an engineering a business trip next week. But as soon as I get back from that on the 27th, I've got a nice double header. The Pitt women are hosting Liberty which they're always a top dog in the CHA women's D2. 
And then I've got the city game, Duquesne and Pitt, which I'm really excited about. So if you, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you're definitely going to see me hyping that up through the course of, of next week. That's got to be a fun matchup for you. Um, you. So you have any PIHL for us next week? Next week, unfortunately not. My Monday is looking kind of busy with some other things. I head out to Chicago on Tuesday. Works for me. I just figured I'd just check in and make sure you were okay. Um, all right, Ed, it was a great pleasure talking to you. Uh, anything else that you you have for us? And not nothing real update wise. Although I I will if if anyone would like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Ed Major Photo. That's my Twitter handle. Keep track. I will be trying to post the updated ACHA rankings if they get released tonight. They're usually released Wednesdays, but they've been a little wishy-washy on that lately. I understand. Yeah, that, that sometimes you don't exactly get the uh, the funds that you get in Division One to get to be able to get updates to a lot of that stuff. So, all right, Ed, I thank you for uh, calling in, and I will talk to you in a little bit. All right. All right, that's no problem. Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Take care, Ed. You too. That was Ed Major, uh, of course, covering wonderfully with our ACHA coverage and our in-the-ring coverage in the PIHL. If you get to see him out and about, say hello. Uh, speaking of that very same in-the-ring coverage for next week, we're going to start it out with a weekend series, and I was waiting around to figure out where I was going to be this weekend, but it turns out... Why not? CHA rematch. The championship game rematch from last year. Robert Morris women. Mercyhurst. The Mercyhurst Ice Center. 6 p.m. on Friday and 3 o'clock on Saturday. I will be up in the rink checking in on that series. A huge weekend for the Robert Morris women. Gary Heeman will have you the men's coverage from Colonials Arena while they host Army this weekend. Uh, I'm sad I'll be missing that. I might actually make it down for the uh, last two periods of that Robert Morris Army game, depending on what traffic looks like on 79. Uh, of course, with a 3 o'clock start, uh, I'll probably be done about 5, so I could make it down in time for the second half of that game. Um, it'll be a little bit close. We'll see how it works. And then me, personally, Monday, I will be on the PIHL stretch, oh, I'm sorry, not Monday. I cannot do this following Monday. I will be able to do Tuesday. And I will be at the Isoplex at South Point. It will be Trinity, and it will be Bishop Canavan on the 23rd at an 8.20 start. So if you get ready for some D2 action on PHD, I'll be ready to cover that up. Um, I unfortunately am now caught on Thursdays for a couple weeks, so I'm going to be unable to make it down to any other contests um, going forward. We'll figure it out. I'm not too concerned about uh, coverage. We're starting to get everything. I'm trying to figure out where we're going to get uh, Jared Todd Hunter going out here soon. You heard it from Ed. He's not going to be able to make it out this next week. But uh, we're definitely starting to grind into it, and I just wanted to let you guys know I did. I am getting your emails. I am hearing all the ask coverage. We're doing the best we can to get you out there. Uh, we're hoping we get this new guy into place so that I can start moving a little bit more on the road and get out to matchups that 
maybe normally wouldn't be covered, and um, I'm doing a nice little piece on Division Two hockey, so I'd like to get out and see as much Division Two as possible this season because I want to make sure that that, uh, that feature hits home for a lot of people. Uh, it's definitely great hockey, and it, it definitely is overlooked because they don't get the, the state championship game. The Penguins Cup is really it for them. So um, definitely want to get out there and see everybody. Uh, and I think that'll be it for tonight. An hour and a half is probably long enough for this podcast. No, it's long enough for me. So for Alan Saunders, Matt Mamros, Ed Major, I am Brian Mitchell, and I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.